welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Turn our Bibles to 1 Peter. Again, 1 Peter chapter 2 tonight. We finally finished chapter 1. I think it took us seven weeks to finish chapter 1. We're starting chapter 2 tonight. Um, a lot of times I just dive right into the scriptures, but tonight I actually had a, a, a kind of a story to tell to, to kind of pave the way. Um, as I've shared with many of you, and I think I've even shared it in one of my sermons recently, um, I, I found out, I, I had, a, had a blood test and found out that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm high in my cholesterol, right? Uh, I'm, I've, I've got a uh, I've got to really make some changes in my life. I mean, my triglycerides were over 500. Okay, that's not good. And um, so I've got to make some changes. I've got to take some medication. And I've got to put off some of the old things that I ate. Right? No more bacon every time we got it in the freezer. <laughs> no more eggs. No more slathering stuff in butter and frying it for myself you know I I, I, there's, I I have to give up a lot of the things that I craved before I, I I craved eating those wonderful slices of bacon okay craved it but now I've got to put that off and I've got to crave after something new so I've been going after fruit and I've been craving nice juicy peaches there it comes up again right i've been craving eating cucumber and tomato salads okay maybe that doesn't appeal to everybody but i've really enjoyed it put a little feta cheese on there it's great so i have had to put off my old desires and i've had to crave after something new and there's something like that kind of pattern that we see in the text tonight We're called to put off our old ways and to crave after something new. And uh, so let's look at our text, beginning in 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, We're just going to look at the first three verses of chapter 2 tonight. So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we love you. Lord, I pray that you would implant within each of us a craving for your word, a craving to know more and more about you. I pray that you would help us to hear from you and to love what we hear. And Father, I pray that you would give me strength and grace tonight as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's remember the context here that we're, we're looking at this. Um, Peter is writing to a suffering church that lives in the midst of a hostile environment. And he began the letter by 
proclaiming how wonderful and great the work of God in Christ was for us. That we ought to praise God because He's caused us to be born again. Right? Hallelujah! He's caused us to be born again. And He has uh, uh, an internal inheritance that is laid up for us in heaven where nothing can, can touch it. And also, we are um, being kept by God's power. All of those things ought to cause us to praise Him. And, 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 and He lists all these things, why we ought to praise Him. He, he lays out the story of what God has done in Jesus. And then he begins to change direction and, and instead of telling us what is it that Jesus has done for us, he tells us, therefore, beginning in 13, this is how you live. We're to prepare our minds for action. We're to be sober. We're to set our hope fully on the grace that's to be revealed. We're to be holy. And we're to fear God. And last week, we looked at how we're supposed to love one another fervently from the heart, right? We're supposed to love one another fervently from the heart with, with, with sincerity, uh, uh, not some kind of fake putting on a mask, but, but real, sincere love for one another. Because we've been born of imperishable seed which is the Word of God. The Gospel that has come to us, that we have heard proclaimed, has brought a new birth within our lives. We, we, we ha it has, has caused us to be born again when we heard the Gospel and the Spirit united with that. We, our eyes were opened and, and we began to have new affections and new desires for Christ. That ought to produce a love within us so He's, he's continuing this argument about how we ought to love one another because we've been, been um, um, born again by the Word of God. And he tells us we're to put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. What is it that these things have in common? They are obstacles to our love for one another, aren't they? If we're to love one another fervently from a pure heart with sincerity, then we've got to put away those things. And one thing that we've got to remember is this is an active command. Okay, It takes work. Our flesh continues to kind of pull at us. Our flesh continues to, to make us want to sin. But here, we've got to do the work and we've got to to actively put away malice. Thinking badly of other people. Uh, maybe attributing wrong motives to people. You know, that kind of thing can happen within a church and it just tears up relationships, doesn't it? When we, when we think badly of other people, when we start to impute motives to other people. Put away all malice and deceit. We're to speak truthfully to one another. It's just like what Ephesians said, when we speak truth in love to one another. We put away deceit because that rips apart the body. It rips apart. When, we, when we're not honest with one another, when we're deceiving one another, that, that is an impediment to our love for one another. Hypocrisy. 
hypocrisy. Saying one thing, expecting people to live to a certain standard when we don't do it ourselves. Hypocrisy tears away at that love for one another because really we're not fooling anybody, honestly. We're not fooling anybody. And then people look at our hypocrisy and they think, well, I don't want to be like that. And it erodes and tears away the love that we have for one another. So we work and we effort and we, we, have, we strive to put off those old things, to put off malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy. You know, we, we like to get by with this one, don't we? It's the Tenth Commandment, right? You shall not covet. And, and we think, well, what's so wrong with that? I mean, I just want something. I just, I just want... It doesn't hurt anybody to, to want something. And, and, and yet it's a desire, it's a sinful desire to, to want those things and crave and desire those things that God hasn't given us put away those things. Those things are obstacles and impediments to our love for one another. And then finally, slander. You know, as I've visited people in this community, um, sometimes the things that I hear are, I've been a part of a church before. And what it always turns into is the ladies all getting together and gossiping about what's going on and who's in whose family, you know. And, and that's just a form of slander in which here Peter is calling us to put off those things. Put away malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. All slander. And notice the word all is used twice. Put away all malice. And then he lists deceit, hypocrisy, and envy, and then all slandered. So the two things on the ends are like bookends. All malice and all slander. Any kind of negative thing we would say about one another within the church, he calls us to put away all of that. To put away, because those things impede our love for one another. If we're to love one another, we can't live like we used to live. We can't have the cravings of envy that characterized our life before Jesus. Instead, we've got to crave something new. He, he replaces a craving for en of envy with a craving for spiritual milk. Verse 2, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow into up into salvation. This metaphor is used elsewhere in Scripture. In other places, um, in, in Hebrews, it talks about people who should have been teachers by now, but yet they were still on milk. This is not the way Peter is using this, this uh, analogy, this, this metaphor. Peter here is not saying, oh, you just, you, you, all you can handle is milk. No, he's saying we need to be like those newborn babies that are just craving milk. We need to have that kind of desire and that craving to hear more of the, of the milk, this spiritual milk. Now, what is this spiritual milk? If you have the King James Version, you might know where I'm going. Uh, uh, modern translations will often translate it spiritual milk because technically that, that's really probably where it's going. 
But the word there that's translated spiritual is logikon. And I don't like to, I don't like to use a lot of Greek words, but it, it's similar to what we hear when we think about the logos. The logos, the word that became flesh. The word. And, and so it's the, the pure milk that is an adjective here, logikon. I can't even pronounce it. It's often translated reasonable. Um, and it can also have the understanding of spiritual. Um, we see the same ad adjective in uh, Romans 12.1 when it says we're to uh, offer ourselves as living sacrifices, which is our spiritual act of worship or our reasonable service. That's, that's the same word there. And so whenever he's saying we're to long for the pure spiritual milk, I think the, the King James translators were actually on to something because, because they understand that the spiritual milk that it's talking about is the Logos. It is the Word. The Word that we are to crave. If we're craving and longing after studying God's Word and wanting to get God's Word into our hearts, how are we going to have time to have malice and envy and deceit for one another? The, the, the um, remedy, I think, that this text gives us for having that malice and envy is to have a focus on the Word of God. We want to come and we want to hear the Word of God proclaimed. We want to hear and, and long for and crave that spiritual milk. It is our nourishment, which later part of the verse says, that by it you may grow up into salvation. How is it that we become spiritually mature? If we're immature spiritually, we will do things like gossip about one another. If we're immature, we will begin to look down on one another. But the way we grow up into Christian maturity is by studying the Bible, by getting the Bible into us, into our mind and into our heart. And we ought to crave it, not just a, a, um, an automatic kind of uh, mechanical studying, but it ought to be the desire of our heart, the craving. We just can't get a, through a day without this desire to want to get into God's Word, to want to hear from Him, to want to hear His voice, the voice of the shepherd speaking to us. Having pure... Uh, I'm sorry. So put away malice, we're putting away malice, we're putting away deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, all of those things that characterize spiritual immaturity, we're putting away all of those things um, that, that are impediments to our love for one another, and instead we're to crave something new. We're to crave like a newborn baby. Yeah, that newborn baby comes out craving, right? Mothers? What what does that newborn baby come as soon as they're born? They want they want that milk, don't they? They want that milk. You guys can speak with more authority than me on that. <laughs> the Bible says it. <laughs> they crave that milk. 
And like, we need to be like that. We need to be like that in the, in the same way we need to crave after the milk of the Word. And then he says we may grow up into salvation. Grow up into salvation. Now, um, I've mentioned before, the Bible talks about our salvation both in past, present, and future senses, right? When we talk about what Jesus did when He saved us by His work on the cross, that's, that's a past tense, right? And, and sometimes the Bible speaks of us in a continual process that Jesus is saving us. And, and here is another sense in which it's a future-oriented reality. Here, we're growing forward, we're, we're looking forward to that final salvation when Jesus comes again and we see we're real, right? When the veil is torn away, like, like in um, uh, the first five verses of this, when the veil is torn away, we see that we're real, and and we we on that eschatological that that end time day when we when we are utterly saved. And he closes, he not closes, but the next thing he says, there's a condition here: if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Some might translate this as since you have tasted, because he's talking to believers, right? But I think the if is, is important, because it, it shows that there's a, a relationship between the two. If we have tasted that the Lord is good, if we've been born again, right? If, if we've trusted in Christ, if we've truly been saved, then we have tasted that the Lord is good. And, and as the result of that, the result of the fact that we have really tasted that the Lord is good, that He has really changed our lives. You know, tasting is an experience. We don't just, you know, it's a whole lot different if I tell you how great a peach is, right? Here I go again with this peach. If I, if I tell you, oh man, it's so good, and you've never experienced that, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you've tasted a really good peach, and I tell you, oh man, it was so good, then you can kind of start to taste it yourselves, can't you? You can kind of remember when you've experienced something similar. Well, the, the tasting that the Lord is good is, is an experience. It's not just some kind of a, a head knowledge, knowing about Jesus, knowing about what He's done, but we have really tasted, we have really experienced it, we have really partaken of Jesus. So if indeed we have tasted that the Lord is good, then we ought to love one another fervently from the heart. We ought to put away those destructive behaviors that, that would characterize immaturity, and we are to crave after the Word of God. Now, I stand here at this moment, and I feel something is missing. I feel something is missing because what I've done so far is to lift a high, high standard, hasn't, haven't I? You've got to do this and not this. You, you've got to put away these things and crave after this, and I feel 
the fact is, so far, what I've given is predominantly, not fully, but seems to be predominantly law. We can't, we can't put away those things on our own power. We can't crave after these new affections. We can't crave after this spiritual milk if Jesus doesn't do a work inside of us first. That's where I'm going with a gospel emphasis here tonight. The gospel is Jesus is good. He is satisfying. Come and drink of the waters of life. Come and taste Jesus because when you come and experience Jesus, when you taste Him, when you, um, whenever Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, not literally, but when we really embrace Jesus and we taste of Him, He gives us the strength and the power to do what it's saying in verses 1 and 2. We can put off those old desires and we can begin to crave after spiritual milk which will cause us to grow into maturity the power for all of the command here is in the experience of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good that he has caused us to be born again to a living hope and he keeps us by his power Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.